Hey, are you dealing with any new aches and pains in your body? Well, go on over to thepurplesage.store and take a look at some of the CBD-infused products that they have there for pain management. They have some pain patches. They have lotions. They have creams and salves. They've even got the droppers for the CBD oil that you can put under your tongue. So give it a try. Hopefully it'll help. And hey, don't forget about your pup. They've also got CBD dog treats because, hey, your pups, as they get older, they start to get aches and pains too. So go on over to thepurplesage.store to get all your CBD products. Thank you. MZ. Thanks for joining me. Today, I have a topic about two items that I am rec- have recently become uh, very interested in and acquainted with, whereas all most of my life, uh, these have been substances that I have never uh, used and were actually considered forbidden. So this is about coffee and cannabis. That's what we're talking about today. So the, I guess, let me start with my, um, just, I guess, my history with both of these items. So I grew up in a, a religious family, and the religion that we subscribed to had a set of requirements that restricted usage of certain items, products, substances. Uh, Alcohol was one of them. Coffee was another one. Tea was another one. Uh, And drugs, uh, illegal drugs, not prescription drugs, illegal drugs, which always kind of puzzled me. I mean, if it had been different, if cannabis had never been made illegal, I wonder if it would have been considered off by this particular religion. But anyway, that's neither here nor there because it is, and it was. So, so yeah, growing up, uh, I, I was raised in this religion. And so as a youth, I was taught that those, all those things were bad for you, not only bad for your body, but also bad for your spirit. So I don't necessarily subscribe to that in my current way of thinking, but that's the way I was raised. So, um, even to the, I mean, we were, uh, in youth programs, uh, there would be evenings where they would discuss, um, this particular, uh, mode of doctrine and give us, you know, pretty much the, the 411 or the, 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 this is, these are the bad things. These are the things that aren't allowed. And there would always be that inevitable question, well, why? Why are these why are these things bad? Well, at the time, it was uh, because an angel told him. 
the prophet. An angel came down from heaven and told him that these things should be forbidden to the body because your body should be treated with the respect of a temple. And you would not want to tarnish the temple with these substances. So that was the way it was explained. Now, interestingly enough, this revelation came shortly after what what is I've been what's been described to me as an argument with the prophet's wife. So at the time, he was uh, I mean, this was the budding religion in the 1800s. He was building his followers, building his foundation, his future leaders. Uh, or, you know, uh, assistant leaders and whatnot that would help him carry the the mighty load of of building a a spiritual kingdom on earth, I guess. Anyway, so he and his buddies were hanging out, (laughs) chatting about spiritual business. And uh, I guess there also was some drinking and some cigar smoking, pipe smoking at the time. And they would, I guess, leave the place a mess. And I guess dude's wife kind of got fed up with all that. And at one point, um, I don't know, we used to joke about it in in our men's group. It was funny at the time. (laughs) And looking back on it now, I'm like, hmm. So how much of it was actually revelation and how much it was actually he wanting to get his wife off his ass because she was pissed about having to scrape spittoon fucking spittle off of the the walls because dudes were missing the spittoon or whatever and spilt beer and i mean come on guys how many of us have had a had a, a gathering of our buddies and you know chip crumbs get left everywhere and the wife gets on your ass this is what i'm imagining happened and suddenly an angel reveals to him that these substances are no longer allowed I mean, pretty convenient timing, but also, if in fact this argument with his wife influenced this decision, he wove into his religion a disagreement with his wife. And to this day, it still stands, some now 200 years later. very interesting to think about it but anyway so yes raised this was a forbidden substance uh, coffee and uh, uh, cannabis Uh, now as I became a teenager and started becoming a rebellious um, youth hanging out with a crowd that was not of the same beliefs as I um, now again the religion that I uh, was raised in didn't it wasn't a huge um, it's very big in other parts of the country, not nearly as big here. But there, there still are large congregations, more now. But when I was growing up, there were fewer. But still, there were large enough congregations that you would have, you know, two, three hundred people at, at, a, con- at a Sunday meeting. Um, and a good portion of those being kids and a good portion of them being, you know, similar ages. So... You did have a, a youth group that you kind of grew up with, but it wasn't to 
I mean, you. So when you went to school, you might have been one or two um, members of that religion in that school, in that entire school. If you got lucky, you might have uh, go to a school where there was a family that had maybe several kids that were your age, and so you'd have a couple of them. But for the most part, most of the kids you interacted with were not members of this religion, and they hardly even knew anything about it. And so uh, you would see that, you know, you had friends that drank coffee or that drank tea or that maybe even smoked as you got older. And uh, so you became around those things if you allowed yourself to be around those things. Now, we were always taught, run away from temptation, right? Who was it who did that in the scriptures? Anyone? Anyone? Right? The, 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 the wife that tried to seduce him, she ran, he, she, uh, he ran, she held on to his garment, and then whenever the master came back, she said, hey, uh, your servant tried to, to rape me uh, or take advantage of me. And then he was put in a pickle, wasn't he? Right. So, I mean, that kind of stuff goes way back. Now, so as a uh, preteen, those kind of things never did interest me, uh, even though I did have friends that may have uh, had family members, you know, being younger. Maybe they, they didn't drink coffee, but they had parents that drank coffee, and I'd hang out at their house, and I'd see it. But it never really intrigued me. It wasn't even anything of interest to me until I became an older teenager and actually had friends that drank coffee and drank tea and smoked and drank and those kind of things. And so it's not, I don't think that it became a temptation, more of, as a, pure, a point of interest. Uh, like, you know, like, hmm, what is this really all about? And so, and I think that's natural for any teenager. I think, how, I mean, you should expect it. Because uh, in, in, uh, to me, if they're not at least considering those kind of things, you, yeah, I don't know. I guess there is definitely... This, I guess the sooner you get exposed to those kind of things, I'm not saying that you should expose children uh, to those kind of things, but I guess exposed to it being in your environment, um, that it's normal. You know, again, coming from my background, that was, uh, it was forbidden, so I shouldn't even be associating with people like that. Well, shit, you can't live a life like that. You'd be, you'd be stuck on a, in a cave somewhere. So you've got to still interact with people. So... Again, I guess it sometimes, I guess it, maybe it does rub off of you. Maybe it is peer pressure. Who knows? I'm not going to label it any of those kind of things. But, um, I mean, I've always blamed my wife. Ooh, I just left that cat out of the bag. Uh, she was actually the first person that I smoked cannabis with. Um, we were both very, very young. And, um, anyway, it's a beautiful story. I'll share it sometime. But, um, here we are still so many years later. I love my dear. She's the best. And so, again, very, so, but it was, I was later teenager. I was like my maybe 16th or 17 probably. And so never had tried cannabis. And I had recently started smoking and drinking. Again, just being a dumb teenager, that kind of stuff. Not like I was suddenly becoming an alcoholic. I did smoke cigarettes fairly regularly. So I guess I did get, get hooked on that pretty quick. Um, but drinking, it was just usually like, because we were in a rock band and weekend parties, that kind of bullshit. And so, 
you know, you would just now once I became older uh, and legal, um, I did start to drink uh, a bit more excessively, and that did become a problem. So we did have to put an end to that. But that's drinking. So, but we're back to the coffee. Even as a teenager, even though I did start smoking, did start drinking uh, alcohol, and did start smoking cannabis, I did not drink coffee or tea. I had tried tea once, and I thought it was disgusting. I tried coffee a couple of times because we would go and hang out at coffee shops or whatever, and so there was always going to be coffee, and it was you know uh, $2 a cup, and they would refill it as long as you were there. And sometimes we'd be there for hours just chatting and talking and whatever that kids did back then. I mean, I remember trying, putting as much sugar and creamer into this liquid to try to make it palatable, and I could not. I it, it would not compute. My mouth would not allow me to ingest any more than just a sip of it, and I would be done. Now, fast forward um, to after uh, my rebellious phase as a teenager and uh, my failed attempts at being a, um, a father and a husband, um, I was able to put all that shit behind me and straighten my life up start to pursue my career and uh, no more drinking, no more smoking and um, just family man and businessman and did that for 20 years and it worked out okay. We got, we got the kids uh, where they needed to be. Um, the wife and I, um, you know, had our ups and downs as you always do. Uh, but now we're in a phase where not, for in, we actually were trying to pinpoint something about this the other day. There's not, I can't really pinpoint any particular day that I just said, I'm not going to go to church anymore. But I just stopped going to church. I mean, the wife stopped going mm, several years prior to that. and But I was still taking the kids. Me and the kids still did the, the every Sunday church thing. Did the potlucks. Did the, the whole bit. And... I don't know. It was weird, but you know, it was what it was. But then there was just one day that we just didn't. I didn't wake the kids up, and they didn't come and ask me what was going on, and we just stopped. So, and then it just kind of, I guess, I don't know if you say progressed or degressed, but either way you go, um, it's not anything that I feel like I'm missing in my life. Um, I feel with the meditations that I do, I feel more spiritually connected now than I think I ever have. Um, maybe I was doing it wrong for all those 20 years. Fuck, I don't know. Um, but now, in retrospect, there's a, a lot that I learned during that period of time that I still value. There's definitely, uh, there's right and wrong in the world. Okay, I totally get that. But it's the way about in which you you decide what's right and wrong. And then you tell people, this in order for you to be right, you have to do this thing or you have to believe this thing or you have to read this book or you have to take this sacrament. And if you don't, you don't get in. You don't get the the big prize. You don't get you don't get to go back home and see your parents. That just seems weird and really fucked up to be honest. I mean, when I invite my kids over for dinner, <laughs> Because they got their lives, you know, they go out and do their thing. Hey, kids, let's come over and have dinner. But before you walk in the door, 
there's about six things I need you to do. You don't do that. But that's really what religion is, isn't it? It's telling us these are the things that I expect you to do to come back to my presence, to come back to me. Nah, it ain't the kind of dad I want to go back to. That sounds like some bullshit. I'm okay where I'm at, Pop. I mean, I'll keep I'll keep sending you sending you your positive vibes, you know, because that's what I do. I don't really pray. I I meditate and I I have moments where I sit and contemplate, but I'm more having conversations. I think with a voice within myself. Not I don't see it as a voice or as a being outside of me. I see it more as a as it's it's within me, and it's always there. And either you're listening or you're not. And when you do start to kind of tune in to the, what this voice is saying, it's kind of telling you some things you should have been doing. And maybe when you start doing those things, things start to change a little bit. And that's kind of what happened with me. I just started paying attention to these. And I guess you could call it intuitions or maybe, but that I was just doing a lot of things wrong in my life. And I needed to change a lot, uh, a lot of things, and I did. And I feel so different mentally as well as physically. Again, I'm taking care of my body. I'm out exercising. I'm, I'm, I want my body to, to continue to carry me as a vessel, right? Because I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be stuck on in a wheelchair. I don't want to be sp- stuck in a, a sitting on a on a couch and not be able to get up and run around. I want to be as active as I can for as long as I can. Because there's so much to see and do out there. It's wild. And if you're not seeing and doing, now I know in a global pandemic, shit, you can't hardly go anywhere. Someday, let's all hope that this blows over enough that, or we get a better enough handle on it that we can get back to at least somewhat of a normal life. But go travel. Go see things. Man, my wife and I made a decision years ago um, to forego planning for our future and enjoy now going to travel and see things and do things and take our kids. And we've taken our kids to a lot of places that a lot of kids have never had a chance to go to. And not that's not saying that in any kind of a braggadocious way, but saying that in that um, that's just the way we decided that was how we decided to spend our money. And we don't have a 401ks and we don't have uh, stuff for the future now, but we've had a lot of fucking good times and we've seen a lot of really cool things. And my kids have got to see a lot of really cool things. And one of those things I hope that they took away from that was uh, just how different everyone in their lives are. And that's okay. People can have different beliefs. People, people can have different ideas. They should be able to have different ideas. You shouldn't have to agree with me. Nobody has to agree with me. But when we when we start to set up rules and barriers based on a belief system then that that starts to ch- take away what it's supposed to be about right our free will isn't that what we all came here for was free will free will except you have to do all of these exact things well that's not free will anymore so Anyway, that's this has kind of gotten off of the coffee and cannabis topic. So let's get back to that. Um, so what I thought would be interesting is I looked up two articles, and I will quickly read through them. 
and just kind of comment as I go through. Uh, but the first one is, uh, and, and the only reason is because I did already pre-read through these, and they, they were very interesting. I've never really thought about the history of either one of these items, but the history of coffee and the history of cannabis. Now, the history of coffee, I am taking this from an article um, on the ncausa.org website, and it is just titled, and I will put the, uh, the link in the show notes, of course, so if you're interested in reading through this yourself, uh, and they have many links for many different things about coffee, um, how to store it, brew it, roast it, all that kind of shit. It's very, it looks like a very informative website, so shout out to those guys at uh, ncausa.org. All right, so this is the history of coffee. No one knows exactly how or when coffee was discovered, though there are many legends about its origins. Here's an Ethiopian legend. Coffee grown worldwide can trace its heritage back centuries to an ancient coffee forest in the Ethiopian plateau. Their legend says the goat herder, Kaldi, first discovered the potential of these beloved beings. The story goes that the Kaldi discovered coffee after he noticed that after eating the berries from a certain tree, his goats became so energetic that they did not want to sleep at night. Kaldi reported his findings to the abbot of the local monastery, who made a drink of the berries and found that it kept him alert through the long hours of the evening prayer. The abbot shared his, his discovery with the other monks at the monastery, and knowledge of the energizing berries began to spread. As word moved east and coffee reached the Arabian Peninsula, it began a journey which would bring these beans across the globe. I can, I can only imagine these, these monks <laughs> bouncing off the wall, <laughs> getting the jitters, trying to, to get their prayers done. Yeah, I, I I bet this was uh, this was pretty uh, pretty interesting to see all this unfold. All right, so next the uh, Arabian Peninsula, coffee cultivation and trade began in the Arabian Peninsula. By the 15th century, coffee was being grown in the Yemeni district of Arabia, and by the 16th century, it was known in Persia, Egypt, Syria, and Turkey. Coffee was not only enjoyed in homes, but also in the many public coffee houses called, and I'm not even going to try. Um, it's a, it's a foreign word and it's got continents, lots of consonants, but my pronunciation would be terrible, which began to appear in cities across the near East. The popularity of coffee houses was unequaled and people frequently frequented them for all kinds of social activity. Ah, so, so now it became the, uh, the, the, the gathering uh, uh, point for people, uh, coffee being a, a touchstone there. Not only did the patrons drink coffee and engage in conversations, but they also listened to music, watched performers, played chess, and kept current on the news. Coffee houses quickly became such an important center of the exchange of information that they were often referred to as schools of the wise. With knowledge of pilgrims visiting the holy city of Mecca each year from all over the world, knowledge of this wine of Araby began to spread. Wow. So that's pretty remarkable uh, as well, if you think about it. Um, and that's, so that's two different areas. So here's where coffee comes to Europe. European travelers to the Near East brought back stories of an unusual dark black beverage. By the 17th century, coffee had made its way to Europe 
and was becoming popular across the continent. Some people reacted to this new beverage with suspicion or fear, calling it the bitter invention of Satan. <laughs> I love that. So this, so even even in the uh, uh, the sixteen hundreds, Satan was being it, it was a potion of Satan. Wow, interesting. All right. Uh, so the local c- clergy condemned coffee when it came to Venice in 1615. The controversy was so great that Pope Clement VIII, V-I-I-I, was asked to intervene. Oh, so we're bringing the, wow, so the Pope came in on coffee. Wow, for a ruling. Wow. Okay. He decided to taste the beverage for himself before making a decision and found the drink so satisfying that he gave it papal approval. Coffee is endorsed by the Roman Catholic Church in the 1600s. That's fucking remarkable. Interesting. Okay. Despite such controversy, coffee houses were quickly becoming centers of social activity and communication in the major cities of England, Austria, France, Germany, and Holland. In England, penny universities sprang up, so-called because for the price of a penny, one could purchase a cup of coffee and engage in stimulating conversation. Can you imagine? I mean, you go, I guess today the closest thing would be to go into like bars, but I don't know that there's much stimulating conversation happening in bars. I mean, maybe talk about football or talk about basketball or the, the boxing match or, and I guess some current events, but I mean, I man, I imagine this, this was in an era of, of such intellectual expansion. Uh, hell, they could have been talking about, um, you know, astronomy or, or the sciences or, um, uh, uh, social, uh, issues that they had you don't see a whole lot of that these days though well again we are in the middle of a pandemic so fuck nobody's going out anywhere but when even even when they did i don't remember there being a whole lot of of these type of uh gatherings you know it was it was always talking about other stuff but anyway maybe that was just the choice the the group of people i ran with moving forward coffee began to replace the common breakfast drink beverages of the time beer and wine wow can you imagine waking up to having a beer and a wine now that's so frowned upon, that's looked at like, oh my God, what is wrong with you? Um, okay. Those who drank coffee instead of alcohol began the day alert and energized. I imagine they did. And not surprisingly, the quality of their work was greatly improved. Now, hang on a minute. So are they, are they trying to imply that most of, the, most of the world was drunk as fuck when they woke up? And whenever these they switched it over to coffee, uh, everything changed. Man, I wonder. Somebody needs to do a do a research project to try to pinpoint that to see how factual that is. All right. Anyway, it'll be it'll be like I said. It'll, the link will be in the show notes. Read it for yourself. Maybe do your own research. You could be that guy that does that. Anyway, by the mid 17th century, there were over 300 coffee houses in London. Wow, 300. Damn, I thought Denver had a lot of coffee places because Denver. Whenever I go to there to visit, dude. It's ridiculous. There's a coffee house almost as frequent as you see at 7-Eleven. Uh, and, of course, 7-Eleven does have coffee, too. Um, all right. Many businesses grew 
out of the specialized coffee houses. Lloyd's of London, for example, came into existence at the Edward Lloyd's Coffee House in the New World. So now we're getting it to, to the old U.S. of A. Uh, or, yeah, no, pre, sorry, still 1600s. In the mid-1600s, coffee was brought to, the new, to new Amsterdam, later called New York, by the British. Though coffee houses rapidly began to appear, tea continued to be the favored drink in the New World until 1773. Spoiler alert! <laughs> they had a big party. <laughs> when the colonists revolted against the heavy tax on tea imposed by King George III. The revolt, known as the Boston Tea Party, would forever change the American drinking preference to coffee. Isn't that remarkable? Now, I know tea has always been kind of a drink of the South. Uh, there's still a lot, but it, it. I think it's a different, it's not, they do like a warm tea, I believe. Uh, I have never been a, tea, a fan, still to this day, uh, even uh, maybe like a hibiscus tea or something, but not like an Earl Grey or none of those, uh, or, or the, the sun-dried teas or any of those. I can't drink any of those. They're just, they're, they're not flavor, the flavor is not, is off-putting to me. Anyway, so, huh. All right, so uh, this is an interesting quote from Thomas Jefferson. Coffee, the favorite drink of the civilized world. Now that, it's almost like he was pitching it, like he, like maybe he had interest in the in the company or something. I looked up; he did not grow coffee. He had it imported from uh, from the Indies, but he did not grow it on his plantation. Um, but he was apparently a big fan of it. Thomas Jefferson, shout out. Okay. Um, as the demand for the beverage continued to spread, there was fierce competition to cultivate coffee outside of Arabia. The Dutch finally see the Dutch Brothers. Ah, that's funny because that's my favorite coffee place in Denver. Whenever I go to Denver, it's called Dutch Brothers, and now that's that kind of ties that in. The Dutch finally, oh sorry, uh, the Dutch finally got seedlings in the later half of the 17th century. Their first attempts to plant them in India failed, but they were successful in their efforts in Batvia on the island of Java, in what is now known as Indonesia. The plant thrived, and soon the Dutch had a productive and growing trade in coffee. They then expanded the cultivation of coffee trees to the island of Sumatra and Celebs. Coming to America. In 1714, the mayor of Amsterdam presented a gift of a young coffee plant to King Louis IV, King. XIV, 14th, of France. The king ordered it to be planted in the Royal Botanical Garden in Paris. In 1723, a young naval officer, Gabriel de Clare, obtained a seedling from the king's plant. Despite a challenging voyage, complete with horrendous weather, a saboteur who tried to destroy the seedling, and a pirate attack, he managed to transport it safely to Martinique. I love Martinique. I have visited that island. It's a beautiful island. Only there for a very short period, a couple hours, but it was beautiful. Once planted, the seedlings not only thrived, but it cre it's credited with the spread of over 8 
15 million coffee trees on the island of Martinique in the next 50 years. Even more incredible is that this seedling was the parent of all coffee trees throughout the Caribbean, South and Central America. That is pretty fucking remarkable, if you think about it. Wow. The famed Brazilian coffee owes its existence to Francisco de Melo Parjeta, who was sent by the emperor to French Guiana to get coffee seedlings. The French were not willing to share, but the French governor's wife, captivated by his good looks, gave him a large bouquet of flowers before he left. Buried inside were enough coffee seeds to begin what is today a billion-dollar interest industry. Can you imagine? Wow. That dude right there just scored big time. All because of his good looks. Missionaries and travelers, traders and colonists, continued to carry coffee seeds to new lands. And coffee trees were planted worldwide. Plantations were established in magnificent tropical forests and on rugged mountain highlands. Some crops flourished, while others were short-lived. New nations were established as coffee economies. Fortunes were made and lost. By the end of the 18th century, coffee had become one of the world's most profitable export crops. After crude oil, coffee is the most sought-after commodity in the world. That is very interesting. So... When I started picking coffee up, I guess about about a year ago, maybe year and a half. Um, it wasn't. It was more by accident, not really by accident. So I was in the middle of working on a job that was pretty. Uh, we had a lot of work to do, a lot of hours were worked, and I was. It was far from home, so I had a lot of driving, and. I don't know, like I had already started not, you know, kind of stopped uh, going to church for a while. And any, I don't know, I just started mixing uh, my hot chocolate packets with their coffee and they had in the, in the coffee room. And, um, you know, I, it did. It gave me a little bit more of an alert. I, I felt the synapses firing a little bit uh, brighter. And I, w I wouldn't say I was hooked. But I did start to experiment with drinking coffee and different types of coffee. Um, it wasn't until maybe about a year ago that I pulled the trigger on uh, having a coffee maker at home. Now, I don't have an electric coffee maker. I've got a French press. Uh, everything I have coffee-related is manual. I have a manual grinder. I've got the French press and uh, the teapot, of course. And, that's, and then, of course... If I grind the beans or if I have ground, uh, already pre-ground beans or beans that are pre-ground, I'll use those. But for the most part, um, I'm not a fan of the flavor of coffee. <laughs> I'm not really even 100% sure why I still drink the beverage. Um, now, I do know why I drink a particular version of the beverage that I really am fond of and that is from my my local uh, corner store they have an actual bean grinder now most places just have pots the pots of coffee or they've got the big um, insulated 
dispensaries uh, full of coffee that's already been brewed. Uh, but this place actually has, a, it's got two selections of beans. Uh, one is their house beans and the and what they call the executive blend. And the other one is a Sumatra bean, whatever the hell that means. And um, it's bitter. It's a more, it's a bit more bitter. So I prefer the executive blend. Uh, it's a little smoother. But all I do is I'll, I'll fill it up about three quarters of the way and then fill the rest of it up with hot chocolate. And I'm, I don't know what it is about that combination, but it is so damn delicious to me. And it, and it's not even that I'm getting some kind of a something out of it because there is days where I don't drink it and I don't feel like I'm losing anything. But I love it whenever I do get an opportunity to drink it just because I like the flavor of it. And anyway. I've tried, I don't know how many different coffee brands at home to try to come up with a, a, a coffee at home that I could drink, but I don't, I'm just not into it. I mean, I still make them occasionally, but if I get the opportunity and I'm by my corner store and I'm going to pass it, sometimes I go a little bit out of my way to get there, but I'd, I'd rather much rather just pick it up from them. It's two bucks. But that's really kind of where I'm at with the coffee thing. Uh, I don't, I don't know that it benefits me now. An interesting idea that I had the other day between similar to the, both with both of these products. What do you think about the medicinal value of these two products? Now we haven't talked too much about cannabis just yet. We will, but coffee in particular, the usage of this substance for people uh, it, to feel more alert, to feel um, more awake. Um, I mean, there's medications that you can take to, to do that same thing. But by drinking this beverage, so, and it's a natural substance. I don't think uh, the caffeine is injected into the, the beverage. I believe it comes from the, the beans whenever they're ground and soaked and whatever. So, and I know that caffeine is used in medicines. Epinephrine is one. Um, there's a couple others. Uh, Excedrin, I think, they have caffeine added to the uh, uh, whatever the pain medication is that's in Excedrin. Um, so, again, there is obviously some medicinal value to caffeine and to the, the coffee bean, coffee plant, coffee drink. And so... Maybe it's, again, it's that excess. That's always where we seem to find problems. Use all things in moderation, we've been told. Oof. I, but I don't drink coffee in excess. Now, there's, there's occasion whenever I have a coffee in the morning and in the evening. I don't think that's in excess uh, because it's very not very often. All right. So that's it on uh, coffees. <laughs> Okay, 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 okay. This is the one and only Javi G. You can catch me on Anchor, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, anywhere else you might find podcasts. You can catch me on YouTube, Javi G channel, for all the fun updates. You can see me on TikTok, Javier Gobbledone. You can see me on IG, Beam 77 Anywhere you can think of me, I might be. Have a good one. <laughs> nice. Beautiful.